Welcome to another version of Money Wise. Money Wise with the Money Guys, Ray Lance and Peter Lance. Good morning. What a beautiful Sunday this is. How are you, Peter and Ray? Good morning, Phil. This is Ray, and uh, that has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? It does. Money Wise with the Money Guys. <laughs> so thank you for that nice introduction, and good morning, Peter, and welcome to have you here. Good morning. Good to be here. And uh, you have a very special guest joining us today. We have a very unusual special guest with us today. Um, she happens to be my wife, Tenny, who's also known as Attorney Tenny Lance, mm -hmm. and um, also happens to be Peter's mother. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> nice smile from Peter there. <laughs> anyway, Tenny, welcome this morning. We're glad to have you with us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's terrific. Phil, today we're going to talk about a money topic that's very important to everyone, and that's the topic of estate planning and how to create proper estate planning documents. And that's primarily what Tenny does. She does uh, at least two particular things, uh, Tenny. Uh, one, obviously, is practicing law, doing estate planning, typical traditional documents. We're going to talk about what some of those documents are. Uh, you also have a specialty in the area of Medicaid planning, how to protect people's assets if somebody has to go into a nursing home, for example. And I guess probably the third thing that you do is when somebody actually dies, you handle trust administration and will administration, how to distribute assets to somebody's estate. So what I'd like to do is to begin by just thanking you for being here on uh, fairly short notice, but actually, we actually planned for this a little bit, didn't we? Yes. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk about this subject because it's it's wide, widely um, oriented, and it is important for everyone. And I'd like to talk a little bit about your background uh, first, Tenny, because not everybody is familiar with where you went to school and things like that. I know you went to Southern New England School of Law. And I think that has a different name now, doesn't it? Yes, a couple of years ago, um, it became the University of Massachusetts School of Law, which is uh, a wonderful benefit to the whole New Bedford area to have this state-authorized law school here. Uh, I was at an event last night where people came from Suffolk and New England Law and Mass School of Law and so forth. And uh, everyone's envious of our office being located right across the street from the University of Mass Law School. That's so you have access to the library when you need it and things like that? We do, not only because of location, but because of my uh, law credentials from that school. Phil, I would like to talk a little bit about Tenny's background because I know she would not normally do it herself. Great. Besides graduating from law school, you went to Clark University in Worcester. And uh, Phil, she actually graduated cum laude, which means with honors. She majored in geography. She was a member of the Women's Honorary Society. Uh, she was a member of um, the class officer team for junior and senior year. And I guess I had forgotten that you were actually a, a cheerleader in college. I didn't remember that. I was a cheerleader in college oh, and in remembered. high school. He remembered. Oh, that Tenny. was fun. He's just being. <laughs> That's what he sang. remembers a lot. <laughs> she actually sang in chorus also during that time. And um, I know you've also done graduate studies at Boston University. Uh, both in American studies with emphasis on historic preservation 
and you've done work at the Wharton School under the Executive Leadership Development Program. Uh, Phil Tenney's actually had a number of leadership roles over the years, and uh, besides practicing law before she did that, uh, she spent, I guess, around, what, 16 years at the Girl Scout Council of Southeastern Mass? That's correct. And Excellent. Wow. About a year ago, she took a couple of months to help out in Rhode Island, and she was interim acting executive director for the Girl Scout Council for the entire state of Rhode Island. How wonderful. How worthy. It's a wonderful organization. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I have to mention a couple of other things, and then we'll go into some questions. We're going to ask you a lot of questions today, Tenny. That's okay. Uh, she's worked in fund development. She's done a lot of fundraising for local nonprofit organizations, uh, including downtown New Bedford, helping to get grants to restore some streetscapes. You know the cobblestones that we have in downtown New Bedford, Phil? Uh, Tenny actually wrote the grants to put all the cobblestones down in the historic district really? and the gas lights. And she wrote the grants that moved the building that is now, well, it's actually still the Andrew Robeson House, Kitty Corner from Freestone's Restaurant. She's done a great deal of work in the area of historic preservation. I think the cobblestones are wonderful, but every once in a while when I tell people that my mother was the one who uh, basically got those cobblestones put back into place some people say i hate those roads <laughs> well they're hard to walk on but they're beautiful to look at and they, they are, are. Uh, an authentic reminder That's of right. our historic past in new bedford surely tenny also Do you know spent... where cobblestones came from where go ahead they were the ballast in ships as they returned from their uh, their route from the uh, european countries to the slave um, trading company countries down in the uh, Caribbean and then up to New Bedford, they went back empty and they needed ballast. By ballast, you mean something, something to, to weight it down. The, wow. the boats weighted down, the ships weighted down. That's interesting. And there's a difference between cobblestones, which is not really what's on the streets, but what's called block stones. Cobblestones are the kinds of rounded stones that you might see on a beach as opposed to block stones, which are the bigger, squarer. Um, mm -hmm. items that make like up the, the streetscapes of like New Bedford. Paving stones? Yeah, paving stones. We're going to have you come back during the week, and I'm going to have you on the air talking about uh, preservation and its importance and its meaning. Two more quick to. points, and then we'll get into our topic today. Tenney also served as the president of Whale for several years, a Waterfront Historic Area League. Uh, she has been responsible for putting together private funding for, private and public funding for a number of housing developments in New Bedford, the Joseph Grinnell Congregate Elderly Housing. Uh, she's worked as a Deputy Assistant Secretary uh, for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Executive Office of Communities and Development. Just a long, incredible history in planning, Chief Planner for the Office of State Planning in Boston. Uh, one of her loves, obviously, is historic preservations preservation and she loves the city of New Bedford. What a tremendous portfolio you have. It is not only worthy but one that uh, people look to and say, oh my goodness this is just outstanding Tenny. Well I don't know about that but oh, it's been a lot yes. of fun and it's ranged over a wide number of uh, different kinds of functions. 
What I see happening is planning, whether it's in a preservation sense or uh, in an estate sense. Planning is the golden thread that holds things together, isn't it, Ray? Yes, it is. And uh, Tenny likes to preserve old things, which is probably why she likes to work with older clients. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were going to talk about the boots I took off last night. No, we won't do that. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist I want to hear about that. <laughs> They well, were all falling apart. She asked for some help taking off her boots, so I helped her and promptly threw them in the basket. Oh, no. Another Celeste. Never, never to be preserved my again. My wife does the same thing, Tenny. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're here to talk about how to save money. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well. With uh, the money guys. And by the way, thank you, Peter. You're listening to our brand new Money Wise radio show, uh, now in our new time on Sundays, 8 to 9 o'clock. Good morning, good Sunday morning with uh, our money guys, Ray Lance and Peter Lance, and very special guest, Tenny Lance, attorney Tenny Lance. And Tenny, what's the most important thing you do at the law firm? Well, we try to help people to preserve their wealth, not only for themselves, but for future generations. Uh, We try to make certain that people are well cared for in the documents that they have so that they uh, can go through life without a lot of difficulty uh, in terms of transferring wealth, transferring assets, uh, ending up with court situations for difficult situations like guardianship or conservatorships, all those sorts of things. Do you think that even people who don't have a lot of wealth or a lot of assets necessarily, do you think everybody should do some kind of a will at least? There are several documents that we recommend that everyone have, and they range from a will or a revocable living trust and they sort of offset each other to a durable power of attorney and certainly to health care documents. Let's talk about some of those things. You know, I heard once recently that something like 34% of the people in this country have done planning at all. That is, most people haven't even done a simple will, let alone a trust. Is that what you've heard also? Yes, those are the statistics that, that I remember. Um, A will is a wonderful document, and everyone should have one, particularly if you are a younger person with children, because that is the place where you name guardians for your uh, underage children if anything should happen to you. Wills, as I said, are very, very important and helpful. They do, however, uh, get you to probate court, and uh, many people are anxious to avoid that process and so we can do similar things with a revocable living trust, and we can talk more about that in a minute. All right, so how, do, how does a trust differ from a will, for example? Well, a will is a means of having the court authorize the transfer of ownership from a particular asset to somebody else. If you owned a bank account and only your name were on it, how would the bank know who that bank account belonged to if anything happened to you. It's then the responsibility of your heirs to go to probate court to say, well, I'm the primary heir here and that bank account needs to be transferred to my name. 
once you get that authorization from the court, then you can go to the bank, and the bank will say, okay, now I can change the name to XYZ. And how does a trust differ from a will, then? A trust is, you must think of it uh, as a kind of treasure box. Uh, the people, while they are alive, who have created this trust document place items into their trust. They actually transfer ownership into the trust, which is like a box, and it contains valuable things. Once it's in that trust, it doesn't come out again or doesn't need to come out again, even if you should be deceased, because through the trust document, you have named who is the eventual owner or beneficiary of the items in that box. And so there is no need for the court to be involved to say, yes, transfer the ownership of this parcel of land from you to your heir. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you die, um, if you have a trust, the trust doesn't have to go through the probate court system. Is that what you're saying? That's right. A trust, a revocable living trust, avoids the probate process as long as you have put any, everything into that treasure box. A lot of times people forget to put particular things in there. We often uh, find when we're doing trust administration that, oh dear, grandma left a whole bunch of treasury bonds in the family Bible and they're still in her name. So we have to go to a probate process just for those bonds. So basically what you're saying is that everybody should do a will, but some people should do a trust also? Um, actually, I believe that most everybody should do a trust because it makes it so much easier um, at the time of, of death. There isn't uh, a whole uh, hurry and, and rush and frustration to put the petitions together to go to probate court and pay the fees and so forth. It's really a very reasonable and reasoned transition of your assets to have a trust. Is, is, is there a certain, uh, say, dollar cutoff that you might recommend where somebody should definitely be doing a trust or should think about doing a trust? Like if somebody had $25,000 worth of assets, would you recommend a trust? Well, no, not in that case. Okay. Um, our uh, cutoff recommendation usually is that if you own property, like if you house. own your residence, okay. um, and you have uh, a couple of hundred thousand dollars in a variety of assets, whether they be annuities or IRAs or bank accounts or whatever, that you really should consider a trust. All right, so that's that's a good rule of thumb then. And if you don't do a trust, then you should consider doing a will. Is that what you're saying? Even with a trust, we do what is called a pour over will because the wills are important in case you forgot to put something into your treasure box and also a place where you can name your guardians uh, for your minor children. So a will is important for everyone. A revocable living trust is important for a lot of people. All right, so if you do a living trust, what you're saying is you also need this pour over will. So you have those two documents. And if you don't have a lot of assets and you don't think you need to do a trust, then you should at least do a will. Is that basically a good summary? Um, yes, that is a good summary. Um, the will is a means of telling the court to whom you want to leave your assets. Without that, the court has to make its own judgment, and it uh, utilizes what is called an intestate family tree to decide who's going to get your assets. 
and dying intestate is sort of like dying with a disease it sounds like mm. but it just means that you have never gotten around to doing your will so if you haven't done planning if you haven't even done a simple will then it sounds like maybe the government has a plan for you the state does have a plan it just adopted in fact uh, in 2009, a new uniform probate code that revised the family tree uh, to identify different uh, distribution patterns than the old uh, statutes had. I want to remind everyone, Phil, that we're listening to the Money Wise radio show with the Money Guys, Peter Lance and Ray Lance. We're going to be talking not only today but in the future about everything that pertains to planning and money, how to save money, how to invest money, how to make money, sure. uh, taxes, and so forth. And today we're thrilled to have attorney Tenny Lance with us talking about estate planning. So Tenny, coming back to you for just a minute, if somebody wanted to reach you and learn more about estate planning or make an appointment to see you perhaps, um, what number would they call to reach you? Well, there are two good ways to reach us. One is our phone number, which is 508 nine nine eight 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 zero zero and the other way if you're more attuned is to contact us by email and that's lance l f l a n t z l f at aol.com i guess that stands for lance law firm right correct how many people listening right now would you say don't have either a will or a trust well, I don't know the number of your listening audience, but if I do it by percentage, I would assume that probably three-quarters of the people listening do not have either. Oh, my goodness. Why? Be well, I think there are two reasons. One, people think they're extremely expensive, which they aren't necessarily. But more importantly, people do not like to consider their own demise. <laughs> People don't think they're going to die. Nobody's going to die. We're all of going to live forever. <laughs> this is uh, incredible. The numbers are so high. You know, Phil, I have a, a very good friend who just passed away um, about three or four weeks ago. I went to her funeral out of state. She was 64 years old and had a sudden cardiac event. And she did have a will, fortunately, but it was done 15 years ago. She hadn't looked at it or really updated it. Right. That's the other thing that people don't do is they don't update documents periodically. Well, let me ask you a very simple question that I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking. Once I create a will, I could put it away in my safe deposit box and that's it. Yes. Is that true or not true? Well, yes, you could, but our recommendation is that you come back and talk to an estate planning attorney every three to four years, two to three years, uh, depending upon the change of your circumstance, or in any case, because you may not know that laws have changed. Many people don't know about the new uniform, not only probate code, but trust code that was passed recently in Massachusetts. Uh, the new homestead law that was just passed and signed into law this past fall. So um, laws change and change radic radically and, mm -hmm. and um, often. Are there some changes that might take place in someone's life that would trigger a need to have documents reviewed? Certainly if you lose a spouse or another family member that may well impact the uh, manner by which you wish to leave your assets. 
Um, if your circumstance financially changes, you either win the lottery, as Ray always expects to do, <laughs> or, <laughs> or <laughs> lose in the stock market, as many people did. Uh, there's often a need to review your situation and uh, consider whether documents need to be revised. What about divorce? What if somebody gets divorced? What happens then to a will or a trust? The will is no longer valid. Um, oh, right away. Yes. That is very interesting. And therefore, mm -hmm. uh, a new will should be put in place by each party. Of course, that might make some divorcing people happy. <laughs> <laughs> to know that their will is no longer going to be effective to benefit the other person. <laughs> Let me take a quick break here. How wonderful to have our very special guest attorney, Tenny Lance, joining Money Wise with the Money Guys, Ray Lance and Peter Lance. And we'll continue in just a moment. Welcome back to Money Wise with the Money Guys, Ray Lance and Peter Lance. What a great show so far. I've learned a lot, Ray. Well, welcome back, Tenny. We're happy to have you here today. It's, it's always fun to be asking questions instead of answering them sometimes. So let me ask you a question. We've been talking about whether somebody should have a will or whether they should have a trust and under what circumstances and maybe how often they should review their estate planning documents. What are some of the other kinds of documents that somebody ought to have if they're doing an estate plan? I know there's other documents besides just wills and trusts, for example. When we refer to estate planning documents, we often talk about what's called simple docs. And that is a combination of a will, adorable power of attorney, and health care documents. Um, there are three health care documents that everyone should have. And in fact, I was at a meeting in Newton last night where I've, I learned about a new one. Uh, it's called a MOLST, M-O-L-S-T, and that's a medical order. Uh, I'm not going to remember the, the uh, designation of all those letters, but it's an advance order about your wishes medically should you uh, reach an end-of-life uh, kind of situation. It sounds... That word molts sounds like when a bird or a chicken loses I their know, feathers. I know. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible anachronism. By hand. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an advanced medical order, and it can be put in place now so that if something should happen to you, doctors, uh, EMTs, and so forth, your family would know whether you wish to be resuscitated, whether you wish to be intubated, all those other Kind of evil sounding things. Intubated means having a tube in your throat. That's correct. Now, uh, I, I did sign a form last time I was at the hospital uh, saying, you know, my wishes. Uh, what, what did I sign there and uh, what should happen to that form? Generally, the form that you sign at the hospital is a health care proxy. <coughs> that identifies the person that you wish to make decisions for your body if you're unable to do so. But the health care document is uh, established by statute in Massachusetts. Massachusetts does not recognize assisted suicide of any form that was just rejected by the uh, population in the election in November. And so the, um, there, are, there are two documents that relate to end of life. One is a living will, uh, 
uh, actually there are three. The living will, which says, let me go. If my doctors say there's no hope of my survival, please don't keep me alive. But that's just a directive. The MOLST is an actual medical order that is signed prior to uh, your being in that kind of situation where you can tell your doctor and other um, emergency people what, what you want to have done, and they have to do it because it's an order. Is that a legal document? It is. Hmm. And uh, then the, the third uh, document that some people have in place and think that this covers it is a DNR, a do not resuscitate. And I like to uh, um, try to explain to people that if, if there were a bright line of death, on one side is the living will and the mulched, which would say, let me go, and here is how I wish to be handled in that period. On the other side of death is the DNR, do not resuscitate, do not bring me back. Wow. It's very complicated. Yes, it is. Those are actually very important uh, decisions. I had to make a decision not to use unusual means to keep my mother alive after she had a stroke. She had uh, been in a nursing home for a while. She had Alzheimer's. She had a stroke, and they said that she was not going to regain consciousness and I had to sit down with the documents that I had and make decisions about not making unusual uh, right. measures to keep her alive, to keep her going. So these are important decisions that a lot of people make. They're hard decisions for some people. Yes. And these are decisions that need to be planned and thought out well ahead of time. That was a big part of the conversation last night. At I was at the Massachusetts chapter of NALA, which is the National Association or uh, uh, Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. And Massachusetts has, I think, the largest chapter of anyone in the United States, any of the states. Uh, it's a very active chapter, and we meet monthly to learn new and, and uh, evolving things about the field of estate planning and elder law. And uh, that was, as I said, a big emphasis last night, that planning has to be done regularly and updated regularly. Conversations are important with your physician, with your family, uh, with your spouse, and so forth. And yet most people tend to put these things off. They wait until the last minute. Sure. They think that it's never going to be too late for them to make these decisions. And unfortunately, sometimes... It is. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the earlier you plan, uh, the more cost-effective it is and, and the better off you are for doing so. Uh, I know what a uh, power of attorney is, Mom, but can you maybe explain a little bit? You had said something in your opening um, at the top of the show about powers of attorney. Can you maybe explain what a power of attorney really is? A power of attorney is a legal document in which you name someone to be your agent to take care of your property. Uh, unlike the health care where you're uh, nominating someone to take care of your body, this is somebody who would uh, plan and do what you choose with your property. So it's kind of the other side of the coin. Um, people who have durable powers of attorney, particularly those who have updated them, since the Uniform Probate Code has been put into place, can avoid the very difficult process of conservatorship or guardianship through the courts. You, in this durable power of attorney, 
name now the person that you want to have authority to do all kinds of things with your property, if necessary. Is it expensive to go through a guardianship process? Oh, it's expensive, but more importantly, it's humiliating. In order to have the court authorize a guardian, particularly, because a guardian takes care of a person's body, you have to have a very um, elongated physician's form completed saying that you are incapable of doing it yourself. In other words, you have to be declared incompetent. Uh, incompetent, either medically or uh, mentally. Hmm. Um, and you can avoid that if you do a power of attorney? That's right. Hmm. You're listening to Money Wise with the Money Guys, Ray Lance and Peter Lance, and our very special guest, Tenny Lance of Lance Law, as we uh, discuss a lot about planning, whether it's your estate and uh, other very important things in life. And uh, with estate planning, Tenny, I'm sure that many people miss the boat. What are the most important uh, things to remember about estate planning, and do you have anything planned in the future in terms of uh, seminars or teaching uh, tools that you are always very, very effective with? As a matter of fact, we do. We have seminars coming up in February, and um, the dates are? I see. Tuesday, <laughs> February the 12th. 10 to noon or 2 to 4 p.m. at your office, the Lance Law Offices at 352 Fonts Corner Road, the same location uh, that uh, we have, of course, USA Wealth Group. Then on Thursday, what a happy day, I Valentine's know. Day, from 2 to 4 or from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Hampton Inn in Fairhaven. And then on Saturday, the 16th of February, 10 to noon at the Hampton Inn in Taunton and Raynham. That's uh, on the new State Highway Route 44 in Raynham. Well, I hope, Phil, that for Valentine's Day that she's passing out chocolates or something. Oh, I was thinking of those little hearts that say wonderful things like, <laughs> you're a dope. Or <laughs> How about plan now? <laughs> uh, you know what? Nothing could be more loving for a family than to have all of these plans, you know, in, in the right place and things done correctly. Well, that's absolutely the case. Before Christmas on our website, we put up a, a notation that one of the better things that people could give to their children is an estate plan. Um, it's obviously not critical that it be done at any particular time of year, but it is a wonderful gift. And let me uh, emphasize that uh, these are free estate planning seminars, right? Abs absolutely free. Absolutely. We just need to know uh, if people are coming so that we will have enough seats. What a tremendous public service this is. Just a tremendous educational service. Mom, uh, just a quick question for you because I'm not even aware of... of uh what you would recommend for everybody, no matter the size of their estate. If somebody uh, say they don't want to necessarily do an estate plan, what are the documents that you would recommend for everybody to get? Well, this is what I, I started out saying. Everyone should have either a will or a trust. 
in our case, we do both. But uh, in any case, a will is very important for younger people because that's where they name the guardian that they wish to have appointed for their minor children if anything happens to them. So you ought to have a will. You ought to have a durable power of attorney because if you have bank accounts that have only your name on them and something should happen to you, if you get run over by the truck or, or whatever and remain alive but are incompetent, you need someone to handle your property for you. And you need your three, now four, health care documents. The health care proxy, the HIPAA form, which is a federal uh, law saying that no one can look at your medical records unless you authorize it, your living will, and this new MOLST form. So those, it's actually six documents, but they uh, orient themselves in three ways, a will, a durable power of attorney, and health care documents. So basically people need to take some advice from you, Tenny, to do some planning. You know, Phil, when I went to... Uh, high school, when I graduated from high school, I received a book award presentation at graduation time. I got two books of letters of Benjamin Franklin. So he's always been a good mentor to me. And mm -hmm. he said something once that reads like this, wise men don't need advice. Fools won't take it. <laughs> Classic. And since Tenney is here today in particular, I have to say something about lawyers. He also said a Countryman between two lawyers is like a fish between two cats. <laughs> <laughs> the wisdom of Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. <laughs> Why did we get such a terrible reputation? I don't know, but what do you enjoy about practicing law? I enjoy helping people. I truly do. Um, people leave my office after having executed these documents and they say, oh my Lord, I've been worried about this for such a long time. I feel so much better I can sleep at night. Um, I like to um, maintain for the elder community as many assets as are absolutely possible in any kind of a nursing home or Medicaid situation. Sure. I am um, offended by the, <laughs> the new... <laughs> relatively new 2006 laws that tend to take everything away from those poor souls who end up in nursing homes. Um, I just enjoy meeting with people. It's, it's interesting to hear lifestyles and life circumstances and to see what we can do to help. Good. That's a good answer. I wanted to uh, end the program today by just saying this to our listening audience. As you uh, know from uh, all of the programs that you've heard Ray and Peter Lance join me uh, talking about uh, the importance of planning, one thing comes through crystal clear, and that is, Tenny, you, Ray, and Peter, you all have a higher, a noble uh, quest, and that is to be of public service and to help people in the highest sense. And I don't think any greater mission uh, could be called for. You show it with human beings, with USA Wealth Group and your uh, law office, and you show it also with the community in preservation. So you know, I just want you to know that this is a reflection of your true authenticity. Well, well thank you so much. Thank you for being our guest here. 
this morning. It's really yes. always very special to have you here. But but don't leave before the most important question of this Sunday morning. Which is? Well, your, your history goes back and is loyal and devoted to the Girl Scouts. So what's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, I can tell you what my husband's is. Obviously, the thin mints. <laughs> thin mints. That's because I'm thin, you see. <laughs> what else is there? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Nothing else like it. Thin, thin mints don't make you thin, but they're wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe it's cookie time now, so everyone please look out for those wonderful young girls selling. Oh, a perfect place to thank you and to end today's program. And to invite you, ladies and gentlemen, to join us every Sunday morning at this time for Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance and Peter Lance, thank you once again all for joining us. A great show. Ray, Peter, Tenney, thank you. On behalf of everyone, I'm Phil Paliologos. Happy Sunday morning.